0: Good morning, church. That is, uh, It's a joy for me to be back with you and to be behind this pulpit this morning to bring you God's word. It's a joy and honor that I love. I think it's appropriate for me as we begin to say how thankful I am for this church, that, that we had faithful preaching in my absence. If you are not here, this is maybe your first time this morning. I've been gone with my family traveling for Family purposes, rest, and also other ministry opportunities for the last uh, eight weeks since I've preached. Faithful brothers were able to step in and preach without missing a beat, and that wasn't always the case here at the church. Now, God's word has been faithfully preached in this church from day one, but often, when I was out of the country for weeks at a time, I needed to bring in preachers from outside of our church. We didn't have men who are able to preach faithfully and regularly, and and yet now we do. I mention that because it's a testament of God's faithfulness to our church. It's a sign of God's work in our church. Now, there are times where I feel like I'm traveling all of the time, and other seasons of life or of the year where there are no travel plans. But any time I travel, I feel like there's always a story, always an experience on the plane, whether a delay or luggage or sitting next to some interesting people. On a recent trip to Dubai, I sat next to a Muslim man who was praying. Now, it's common for people to pray as we're going to take off. and um, You know, it's good to pray. I always pray with my family and boys especially. Uh, our boys are very direct with their prayers, God, please don't let this plane crash, which is not, I mean, it's what we all really want, but I never really use those words, but you know, uh, on this, on this plane, uh, this, this man didn't just pray as the plane took off, he prayed the entire time, three hours and 50 minutes of nonstop praying under his breath, now, I was there uh, sitting next to him doing my tatris, which is a, a Palestinian cross-stitching, which is not nearly as spiritual of an act. And he was praying three hours and 50 minutes. Uh, I, I think he must have been nervous to fly, and so he prayed. And I remember wondering then, and I wonder with you now, did God hear his prayers? He was sincere. He was fervent. He was persistent in his praying, but did God hear his prayer? Does God hear all prayer? Now, our our passage this morning is brief. It's just one verse, but it's going to help us consider a lot. And so let's look at that together. If you have your Bible or bulletin, you can look to our verse, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29, or you can follow along on the screen. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. If you're looking for a scripture memory this, this week, this could be a, a good, easy, simple one to remember. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's our main point. God hears the prayers of his people. God hears the prayers of his people. Of his people. Now, we, we will consider that opening question and a few other things about prayer, but here is what I want you to walk away with today. God hears the prayers of his people. You know, because we live in a physical world and our God is spirit who dwells in the heavens, we can operate at times as if he's far from us or that he's unaware. And so our prayers become less frequent, We notice that we are slower to turn to God. Our relationship can even become more shallow. And so we need to know and remember that God hears the prayers of his people. Friends, our God is a God who hears. With that, let's go to the Lord now and pray and ask him to speak to us through his word. Would you pray with me? Father God, we... We thank you that you have made yourself known to us through your word. And we pray that you would do that work again this morning. For those who don't know you, would you reveal yourself to them in the way that only you can. Father, strengthen those who are weak. Encourage those who are broken. Father, we're here to hear from you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the, the passage about Hagar... And Ishmael that Marcy read for us is, is a good one to set a foundation for our sermon. And I, and I think it's, it's safe for me to say that Marcy is my favorite Bible reader uh, here in the church uh, next to Patrick Chama. Um, I really, really love that Zambian accent that he brings. If you don't know Patrick, next time you read, hopefully you won't be too distracted, but you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I selected that passage to be read before the sermon because it's such a beautiful picture Of God being near. God seeing and hearing. Now, for us to understand the the fullness of the story, there is wider context uh, to consider. But what we have here is enough for our purposes. Hagar was asked to bear a child for Abram and Sarai, who later were renamed to Abraham and Sarah, because Sarah couldn't. Once she conceived... Sarah regretted the decision, was cruel to her, and so Hagar ran away. Now, imagine being asked to do something by your boss, something that is legal and culturally acceptable, and then being punished and fired from it. You would have some questions. You would have some frustrations, wouldn't you? And we heard in the story that as Hagar wandered in the wilderness... God met her in her despair. In a time where she felt that there was no one who saw her or heard her, God came down. You have that passage in your bulletin. So you can look with me to Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. We read, The angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. The name of her son, who's not yet born, was given by God. This is the first account of a child being named before their birth. That's significant, and for another sermon. And what was that name? Ishmael. God hears. And Hagar, after she realizes that it's God himself speaking to her, she gives God A name, El-Roi, the God who sees. Look with me to verse 13 of Genesis 16. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. You are El-Roi. For she said, in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? Again, some significant things here. Hagar is the first woman to directly speak to God. And the only woman in the Old Testament to give God a name, the God who sees. Not only seeing, but we can also say that God is the God who hears, right? Based on this interaction, also based on the name that he gave to her son. He saw her and heard her. He was near to her. Now, as we look again to our one-verse sermon passage, we read, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. What does that mean? Who is wicked? Now, if you're new to City Bible Church this morning, I want to extend a warm welcome and say you are all wicked. Every single one of you. Every single one of us. Please don't come back. I'm not always that direct. But this is one of the clearest truths of the Bible. I was hoping for some laughter I heard a bit. But you'll get to know my humor if you return. Hopefully you will. You're wicked. I'm wicked. We're all wicked. This is one of the clearest truths in the Bible. Right? We understand that the, in the Bible there is one God who is in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy. What that means is that God is pure and perfect. He is separate and unlike anyone or anything. Just as light is separate from dark and life is separate from death, God is separate from us. And what separates us is our sin. It's our sin that makes us unholy, unlike him. Friends, we're not pure and clean. We're stained. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives a clear and heavy description of the condition of humanity, and I'll paraphrase here. He, He writes that we are dead in trespasses and sin, that we live and walk according to the ways of this world, according to Satan, who is the power of the air. And it's Satan that Paul tells us is who works in us towards disobedience. We as wicked people live and carry out our lustful desires. And by nature, we are children under the wrath of God. Friends, that's all of us. Not just the new visitors at City Bible Church this morning. All of us. And I think of that man on the plane. His life may have been lived better than mine. In the eyes of the world or in the eyes of religion. But spiritually, he, like all of us, are wicked. We are separated from God. And the Bible says that God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked. There are many passages we can look to, but I think Isaiah 59 explains, uh, explains this clearly. You can follow along or listen It'll be on the screen, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. The prophet writes, Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. So what will we see here? It's not that God isn't able to hear as if he's hard of hearing or his ears don't work, right? We know that God is all-knowing. He is all-present. But our prayers are prevented by our sin. It's a lot to take in that many devout and religious people think they're praying to God, but that they're not that their prayers aren't heard. That sounds heavy, and and I know it. I feel it. I'm even nervous to speak those words because some of you don't understand the fullness of the Scripture, and we don't understand who God is, and how does that fit in? And I have friends who love God. What do you mean they don't know God? What do you mean God doesn't hear them? But friends, do you know why that sounds heavy and unfair? It's because we think too much of ourselves, and we think too little of God. We think too lightly of our sins, but the Bible is clear that God doesn't. Our sins are a serious offense to him and are worthy of death. We see in Romans chapter 1 verse 8 that even our thanksgiving to God doesn't reach him unless it's through Jesus. And so we ask, whose prayers does God hear? Let's go back to our verse. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Let's ask questions of the text, as we always do. Who is righteous? What is righteousness? Let's consider that together. We see a clear contrast in the text, don't we? Between wickedness and Righteousness. And the Bible defines the wicked person as the one who does not regard God or his word. They don't care about God's law, and they certainly don't care about keeping God's law. They don't want anything to do with God. Now, a righteous person is the one who does care about God and care about his word. This person loves God's word and his law. The righteous person has a right standing in accordance to God's word. And his law, whereas the wicked person doesn't. They are wrong and condemned by the law. But if that's the case, then just as all people are wicked, right? Because it's because all people are wicked, then we can say that there is no one who is righteous. Hope you feel encouraged this morning. We'll see you next week. Is that, is that a good spot to end the sermon this morning? No. Listen to Paul's words from Romans chapter 3. Part of this is him quoting from the Psalms. Again, it'll be on the screen. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. What then? Are we better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, and what he means there is Jews representing God's people and Greeks representing everyone else. So all of humanity, we have charged that all of humanity are under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good. Not even one. Friends, this is a serious problem. We all have problems in this broken world, some that are caused by our own selfishness and foolishness and lack of wisdom. Many are caused from others' uh, foolishness and selfishness, and they have harmed us and have affected us. And we live in a country that we experience that. And we know that all too well. And I don't know all the problems that you have in your life right now, but I can say with certainty that none of our problems compare with this problem. But there is good news. God is good. He alone is righteous. And and because he is good, he has made a way for the wicked to become righteous. He has made a way for the dead to come to life. We can even go back and think about the presence of God and the initiation of God with Hagar. Hagar. Right in the midst of her hopelessness and despair, God came down. He met her in the middle of her greatest need. And friends, he does the same with us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That that stain of sin is what's brought separation, right? Right? It's what's marked us as wicked. And so, out of God's goodness, He has taken that sin and put it on Jesus. Friends, that's what the cross is all about. It's God's wrath being poured out on sin, on our sin. It's God judging and punishing sin. It is the great exchange. On the cross, Jesus took our sin and our shame and our judgment, and He died in our place. He died the death of a wicked sinner, and in exchange, He gave us His righteousness. His right standing before God now belongs to us. How? Through faith by trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, and and by believing that he died in our place and that he was resurrected from the grave, we are counted righteous because we are found in him. We are declared righteous, which means that this righteousness isn't our own. It's been given to us by Christ himself. That faith in him means that we now Belong to him. We identify in him. And what that means is that what's true of Jesus is now true of us. How I hope that you would know and believe this truth. I I want other good things for you too. But there's nothing more that I want for you than to know Jesus because there is nothing And no one greater than him. There is no love or security or peace like what we have in Christ. I want you to know that you can even respond to God now. Uh, Please know as, uh, as a bit of background on this service and our worship gathering. This entire morning that the songs and the prayers and the sermon. This time is meant for you, for us together to meet with God to hear from him, and to respond to him. The order and the structure of our gathering is intentional, and it's good, and you're meant to be an active participant. For example, when we pray our prayer of petition, in addition to you agreeing in prayer for the things that are being prayed for from the stage, friends, you're welcome to make your own requests to God, too. When we confess corporally, as Pastor Anwar led us this morning, if something comes to mind that you need to repent of, you should do that. One of my favorite things is when we sing together, when we worship God through song, when I can hear your voices worshiping God. So you lift your praises to Him. But there may be times that you just want to listen to a song more than sing. Or maybe you want to pray during that song. Friends, that's okay. And it's good. Even now, some of you are sensing a pull, maybe for the first time or in a different way, to believe in the words and the work of Jesus. If you are, let me encourage you to know that that is the Lord drawing you to himself. Right? We just read that no one seeks after God. So I don't have to know who you are. I can say that you are not seeking after God. And yet, you're here. And there's something happening in your heart and in your mind. How can we explain that? Right? If your eyes are opening up to the truth of God's word, friends, be encouraged. That's God working in you. Respond in faith and repentance. Now, don't wait. Respond to the call. Put your faith in Jesus and find rest for your souls. And if you do that this morning, tell someone, if someone invited you, tell them what's happening, that you've put your faith in Christ. And if you haven't come with anyone, speak to me or one of the, uh, Pastor Anwar, we'd love to rejoice with you. Now, as we tie this teaching to prayer, because we are found in Christ, we can be certain that God Hears us when we pray. Brothers and sisters, some of you desperately need to hear that this morning. I'm, I'm sure some of you are very discouraged and you wonder if God even hears you. You're a Christian, and so you believe that God's word is true, but if you're anything like me, sometimes I believe the truths of God generally. Right? You might believe that God hears the prayers of his people. You believe that he hears Christian prayer, but you're not sure if your prayers are heard. You believe this is a truth for others, but you have a hard time believing it's true for you. You're not alone in that. And yet, as we're considering prayer, we know from experience and from the Bible that there are times of unanswered prayers. Did God hear those prayers? And there are things that the Bible says can affect our prayer life. How does does it all fit into that? And so for the rest of the time this morning, I want to think together about these couple of questions. And the reason is because I want you to have a renewed and strengthened faith that God hears you and that this reality would draw you closer to God. Let's first think about hindrances to prayer. Again, we're not doing a deep dive into prayer, so we're not able to cover everything about this topic or everything the Bible says about hindrances or unanswered prayer. But I can quickly say what the Bible says, uh, why sometimes our prayers are hindered, right? They're affected, why they're sometimes not answered. And the, the, the primary hindrance to unanswered prayer is sin, Yes, we are justified and declared righteous before God, and, and yet we do fall into various sins, don't we? 1 Peter 3 tells us, uh, specifically speaks to Christian husbands and says that their prayers will be hindered if they don't rightly honor their wives. James chapter 4, verse 3 tells us that when we pray for things with the wrong motive, that God won't answer those prayers. Jesus, in Mark 11, tells us that if we hold bitterness in our hearts, that our prayers will be affected. Now, another hindrance to answer prayer is the sovereignty of God. What that means is that God is in control over all things, right? And because he knows all things and he loves you, he loves his people, he will determine if the answer is yes Or no, or the very difficult answer of not yet. Well, how will we know if God's answering no? Or if it's maybe some other hindrance in our life? We pray. And we examine our hearts and our lives. We repent because, again, repentance isn't a once-done act. We live in cycles of regularly repenting of our sins to Christ and assurance and confidence that he has forgiven us of our sins, right? We call our church, our brothers and sisters, to join us in prayer. Because as believers in Christ, we know that we're declared righteous and we're not wicked. And yet what happens is there is unanswered prayer. So unanswered prayer and falling into sin might make us feel like we're wicked. We know the reality, and yet we have a different sense or we're confused based on our experience. So please, friends, listen closely. Your emotions don't determine your reality. Your emotions don't determine your reality. Our emotions are real and valid. They are God-given, and they are good. So don't hear me saying, don't be emotional or don't feel anything. That's not at all it. But often our emotions can deceive us to believe what isn't real, right? We know it very well that our emotions can affect our reality. And so we need to grow and mature so that our reality affects and determines our emotions. Friends, our hearts are deceitful. And they lie to us. And what we need is is to listen to ourselves less. And to speak gospel truths to ourselves more. And it's those gospel truths that will transform our world. And we'll begin to live in the reality of who we are in Christ. And once we recognize and truly believe, not just generally believe, but truly believe that we are secure in Christ... That our greatest need and greatest problem has been provided for. Won't that affect everything? Those gospel truths will transform our world and lead us to express our emotions rightly to God and to one another. Now, I recently, this summer, I heard a pastor say that there is a Christian prayer that God will never answer. And it comes from the story of Peter when he was first called to be a disciple. Peter saw the holiness of God. He recognized that this man, this person, Jesus, isn't just any person. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just someone special. He's God. And as he recognized his holiness, he saw his own sinfulness. And he said, depart from me, for I am a sinner. Friends, God will never answer that prayer. God hears his people and will always draw near to his people. If we had another hour together this morning, which we don't, take heart, we will end soon, we can consider how our needs actually draw Jesus closer to us. Friends, not only will God never answer the prayer to depart, right, to, to stay away from his people, he will always answer the prayer of repentance. For Christians, when we confess our sins, we do so with the assurance of forgiveness. We are able to approach God, and we do approach God as those who are already in his family as those who are already accepted through the spilled blood of Jesus. And so we pray and have peace that God has heard, and he will answer as he finds best. Not saying that's easy, but we can rest in that, and we can aim to rest in that, and we can trust that God is good and believe that he's heard us. Now, for those who are outside of Christ... God will hear your prayer of repentance and he will answer you. He will never reject anyone who comes to him in brokenness and repentance. All of us have been rejected in one way or another. And so many of you are afraid of rejection. You're afraid to get vulnerable and to approach God because you might be the exception. God has forgiven every single person who has ever come to him. But, but I don't know you. No one knows the things that have happened in your heart. So you think, but me. That won't happen. As much as we can see very clearly that every single one of us is wicked according to God through his word, we see clearly that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No one who comes to God through Jesus will be turned away. For you Christian, brother and sister, if you feel far away from God, remember what Christ has done. Remember who you are in Christ and turn to Jesus. For you who haven't yet put your hope and trust in Jesus, listen to these words As an invitation to you this morning, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what we all want? Rest for our souls. Friends, our God is a God who hears. Let's call out to him because he listens to the prayers of his people. Let's pray as we close. Father, we we, we again thank you for your word. We wouldn't know these things about you. We wouldn't know that you hear us and you draw near to us. And that you care about us if if you hadn't revealed that to us through your word. And so we thank you again for a glimpse of your glory this morning. And Father, as I prayed in the beginning, I pray again now. Would you work in the way that only you can? From wickedness to righteousness, from death to life, Father, that, that you would be glorified through this incredible work of salvation. And that it would be good for the person, for their life, for their family, for their work, for this city, Father, because we believe that the greatest hope for the city is Christ through his people. Renewed lives will bring change. And so, Father, would you use our church and other churches to make yourself known through them? We thank you that you hear us. We thank you that through Christ you have forgiven us of all our sins. And we thank you for the great love, great and faithful love that you've shown to us through him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.